This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So, the only thing left to say is, you win? Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome to the Chelsea Fancast, fueled by Guinness, powered by Celery, the show that is the dick dastardly of Chelsea podcasts. So, Chelsea huffed and they puffed and eventually they blew Bournemouth's house down. Bournemouth gave a good impression of the anthill mob as they defended resolutely all game. And Chelsea had to use all their guile and patience to avoid Eddie Howe performing a smash and grab and chuckling like Muttley in the process. But it is Maurizio Sarri's Chelsea who are the Peter Perfect of the Premier League with four wins out of four. A perfect start. Only Dick Dastardly himself can stop us now, but not even he could stop the pigeon on the Stamford Bridge pitch. Very clever, Chidge. So very clever. Very, thank you, very thank you clever, Jonathan. Chidge. Thank you. The Chelsea Fancast number 432. Stop the Pigeon. There we go. It couldn't really be anything else after the man of the match performance from the legendary return of the legendary Stamford Pigeon. Whether it's the same one or not, I cannot say. But there you go. Uh, now, on, on this uh, uh, cast of uh, the uh, wacky races, the wacky Chelsea Fancast races tonight, obviously I am Dick Dastardly. Um, who would you be, Jonathan? Uh, I'd like to be. Um, uh, who are the two? Uh, the two. Uh, um, I'd, I'd love to be Dick Dastardly because I love the fact that it was. Uh, uh, it was a Terry Thomas sounder like, wasn't it? Absolute, absolute shah. Very like that, wasn't it? Yeah. But, uh, but um, you're all stinkers. Absolute shah. But um, uh, who is two henchmen? I always liked his henchmen who had those black masks. I don't know. And the two striped tops. I don't tops. know. I, I think. I think if I was Dick Dastardly, you would have to be Muttley. Yeah, I, I can't wheeze as much, though, as him. <laughs> I'm going to have an asthma attack. This is the trouble. No, no, we better not have that, mate. We no, need you for the next two hours. Uh, 
Marco, um, who out of the wacky races would you be? Oh, I'd be Penelope Pitstop. <laughs> uh, Marco in drag. <laughs> oh mate, <laughs> that is that's quite. I really that's the last thing I expected. Actually, I've got to be. Gotta be honest, mate. That's quality, Penelope Marco Penelope Pitstop, uh, and Liam, the wonderful Liam Toomey, uh, who, my God, this man must have the patience of a saint. He he did the fan cast last Monday or Tuesday, in fact, and he's back with us again for a second dose. Liam, you must be must be bonkers. Who would you be in the wacky races? Honestly, Chidge, I, the reason I I like coming on this pod the most is you guys make me feel so young. I'm I'm completely out of my depth with the wacky races. <laughs> he doesn't even remember <laughs> it. No, talking about. <laughs> oh dear! In fact, uh, I think we'll have to we'll have to attribute we'd have to attribute somebody for you. Uh, I think Jonathan is our is our expert on the wacky races. Who do you think Liam should be, Jonathan? Uh, I think he should be that cactus that the car always bumps into. <laughs> <laughs> the Red Baron. Let's call let's call Liam the Red Again, Baron. Again, I've mate. had Why worse not? reviews. Right. <laughs> well, yeah, you're you very prickly, been, Liam. You been... You're very prickly. Big prickles is good. <laughs> I'm going I'm, I'm gonna to Google it in a minute, and I, I'm going to come up with some more suggestions as we go on. Maybe we can name the entire Chelsea team from the wacky races. Uh, that would be a giggle. Anyway... Uh, there will, I hope, be far more giggles on the show tonight. Um, for some reason, I'm in a, in a wonderfully good mood, uh, possibly because uh, I managed to be at the test match for uh, uh, down in Hampshire uh, uh, most of the most of the end of last week and, and yesterday. So there we go. So I'm in good spirits, as they say, and perhaps not uh, imbued with the normal Chelsea king size hangover that I would normally have at this stage of the week. Anyway, on the show tonight, we're going to be discussing how Sarri's logical substitutions made the difference uh, in a hard-fought uh, but patient win against the Cherries, and how important is Pedro's influence in all of this. In part two, uh, we look at the Morata versus Giroud debate. Is it time for the big beardy Frenchie to start? Is Marcus Alonso the best left-back in Europe? Is Antonio well, Rudiger de Panza... And with four wins out of four, is it all too good to be true? And uh, what what is the good and bad of Sarri's season so far? Uh, in part three, uh, we've got a couple of emails for Jonathan to read out. One uh, on Marcus Alonso, a very popular theme for our emailers at the moment. And another one on how to fix our defence, another very popular topic for our emailers. Uh, and as there are only two emails this week, um, I would love to do another round of the Chelsea Confessional where our lovely uh, Mixler listeners, uh, of which there are not many in, not as many as usual in at this stage of the proceedings, probably because I forgot to warn everybody earlier in all of the areas that I do it, but never mind. Uh, there are enough in there to ask us loads of questions in that part of the show, so get your thinking hats on. Uh, and in part four, uh, as always, a roundup of the usual Chelsea supporter news. And uh, our final topic this evening will be a look forward to, as I've written it here, some days in Europa. If uh, the wonderful at Heavenly Blue is listening, she will be giggling as she tried to get me to name uh, most tracks off the Skids' first album on a Love Sports show I did a while back, and I did pretty well. Anyway, uh, don't forget, you lot, you can listen to the show live every Monday, 7 o'clock, by going to Mixler, which is mixlr.com forward slash Chelsea hyphen fancast, uh, where you can join in the chat by posting on the live chat page, as so many of you are doing. And there's a quick look there. Andy Silverman is in the house. Good to see you, Andy. D 
Dean Mears, the star writer of the Chelsea fancast, Vinda Blue, Happy Bird, uh, If She Don't Come, Benjito, I Saw Alan May Score, Private Cat. Oh, the fancast would be the cavemen. Hang on, the damn thing's scrolled down the screen, typically. The fancast would be the cavemen drivers, in my humble opinion. The Slag Brothers. I don't think that sounds very nice. The Slag Brothers. The Slag Brothers. Rock and Gravel. Yeah, I don't mind... Yeah, rock and gravel. I don't mind that because that that sounds a bit gangster. I think that actually, I don't on, know if that was a compliment. Liam should be Professor Pat Pending. Ah, uh, Professor Pat Pending. I like that. I like a that. Scientist in the there we go in the converter car. Is that a compliment? Yes, an indeed. insult? I, How should I feel? Yeah, it is. No, it's yeah. a, no, it's a compliment. It He's really brainy. <laughs> it is really brainy, oh, Liam. Yeah, it is a compliment. Does he carry a clipboard? Definitely a compliment, Liam. Uh, no. Oh, okay. No, he, nope. he could do though if you wanted. <laughs> All right, uh, we must move on. Um, of course, you can always tweet us at Chelsea Fancast anytime you like. Sometimes I might even respond. It has been known. It has been known. Anyway, uh, after this very short break, uh, we will be talking football. go um catch the pigeon stop the pigeon stop that pigeon now um we'll have a little chat about that later but first of all really we really need to talk about yet another win for the the mighty chelsea uh they left it late again um which kind of made me think jonathan that you know this 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 you know it's it's become a quite familiar pattern really isn't it you know i think teams are doing their bestest, bestest, bestest to defend against us, seeding possession almost, and hoping that they can hang out, some of whom are trying to, you know, clearly catch us on the break because we're playing, playing this high line. But actually what's impressing me most is is our patience, uh, the fact that we're, we're not panicking, that we're still playing the game that Sarri wants us to play, and eventually, eventually we're breaking them down and getting it. And I, and I wonder if... The fact that we we keep scoring in the kind of you know seventies eighties uh, minutes is a testament to the fact that basically the sides we're playing against just get completely worn down by the fact that we have the ball all of the time and are pinging it around. I think that um, it's also, but when Pedro came on, it was the fresh legs. So I think that uh, that um, agrees with your uh, your conclusion completely. And I think also uh, we're about to talk about substitutions, obviously. But, um, yeah, I think they get a bit knackered because they're just having to to, uh, to chase the ball all the time and, and stick in their formation. I was surprised that Bournemouth would have parked the bus that way and just gone for the break. They're very impressive, Bournemouth, when they, um, uh, when they do uh, um, uh, break against the, uh, what's the word, counterattack because they're very, very swift. And uh, I wasn't surprised they, had a, surprised they had a couple of chances. But uh, I, I'm, I just think we're a bit. The word I would use is inexorable. I think we're we're we're, we're so skillful and passing it so well. We're obviously still not passing it the way that uh, Sarri wants us to. He still wants it to be quicker. But Pedro is clearly the ideal man for that coming on at the end because particularly coming is the same way that Hazard came on um, as a substitute in the opening games and uh, and similarly. Um, 
um, just excelled by being so much quicker than everybody else. It's almost as if the the fitter the player who comes on because he hasn't been playing, the more he's going to the more he's going to fit into the to the to the pattern. And 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 it's, and it's like having a you know it's obviously a new set of legs, but it's the the energy is then you know twice as much. It's back to what it was at the beginning, and and they're just having to cope with it and deal with it, uh, the opposition, and they're not they're not quite managing. So yes, I I agree completely. I think they were completely worn down. But it, I I just felt mm. I, ne- I for me it was never in doubt. I, I knew that we would score. <clears throat> it was just a question of when. And um, um and even Loftus Cheek came on and um, and ran about like a a gazelle. So. Um, I, I was uh, I was impressed, but yeah, completely, Chidge. I absolutely mm. agree with you. I think it was they are mm. they okay. they were worn worn they're worn down, and then and uh, uh, we we bring on fresh legs, and uh, they've had it. Well, that's a good point, J.K. Let's let's talk about those fresh legs, uh, Marco. Um, something that you called for us on, on your Twitter Twitter feed during the match. Um, they made a change, didn't they? And I mean, not only did they make a change, I mean, it was uh, Pedro for William and Giroud for Morata, of course, but not only did they make a change, it made a nice change for the manager of the club to see what he needs to do and then acting swiftly rather than ponderously waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting until the moment has passed. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I think, you know, be be harsh to criticise Willian because I, I think he was, you know, like all the team, they, they were just trying to pick a very tight defensive lock um, throughout the first half and, you know, the, the, the first sort of 20-odd minutes of, of the second half. Um, I kind of felt that maybe Morata was um, a fairly obvious, sub, more obvious substitution um, you know, Aspilicueta pinged a few crosses over that, that sort of with, with better positioning he, he might have uh, got to first, um, you know, which is kind of, I don't know, it's a bit it's just sort of, he's like a ditherer Morata with his form, isn't he? It's just not quite coming together for him. And, um, you know, he holds the ball up well, but... We we just looked at a more incisive article when Pedro and Giroud were on the pitch, and obviously, you know that, that that's the way uh, things played out. So, what what that means for for the next game, I, I don't know. I, I suspect we, we we can't be too far away from uh, Pedro and Giroud starting. Um, you know, and I think you know, and really, it's there there aren't much. You know, there are those two positions which are kind of Sarri seems to require to interchange. And then, you know, there's that sort of perennial question mark over Louise's ability to um, pay attention when he needs to, i.e. when teams counter-attack. And that was kind of a slight concern. Um, but, but other than that, you know, it's kind of, it's 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 all very easy on the eye, isn't it? Um, and you know what was really gratifying this weekend was Watford turning Tottenham over. Um, oh blimey! Yeah, yes. you know, and fair play to Sarri. You know, I mean, he's now on a par with Craig Shakespeare, who's who's the only English manager <laughs> to have to have won his first four games as a Premier League manager. So um, yeah, no. I, 
I mean, it's just it's just it's gratifying, you know, the the atmosphere. I think the atmosphere kind of there there were moments in the first half where where it just you know you could have heard a pin drop. To be honest with you, is that you could hear the ball being pinged about, and I think people just you know there was that sharp intake of breath as, as people were watching what was going on, and then um, you know it, it kind of the the, the the singing started again. Um, but yeah, it's. It is what it is. Uh, is. Is it the finished article in terms of the way Sarri wants to play football? I, I'm not sure. I, I mean, it's, it's certainly, I'm not sure how, how much it can change in terms of the style. Um, maybe, you know, just tweaking the personnel. But, you know, the, the, the way they, the, they play football, um, you know, it's certainly different to last season. Um, even the pigeons back, like you said, pigeon wants to see it. Well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, let, let, just gonna pause on the pigeon for a second because I wanna, I wanna ask, I wanna bring Liam in here because, uh, you know, we were talking about Pedro coming on as a sub and uh, he impressed yet again. He scored his third goal, Liam. Um, there's been a bit of discussion about, you know, what um, I mean. There's two things here. I mean, Dean Mears has made a very good point, which I'll bring in in a sec. But the first one really is. Uh, people are already talking about maybe Pedro could become uh, Sarri's Chelsea version of Mertens or what he did with Mertens at Napoli. Uh, and the other thing, of course, that, that, that Dean was saying, I can't remember what Dean was saying now, so why don't you talk about what I've just talked about there and I'll find out what Dean said and bring that in in a minute. Well, the interesting thing, <laughs> the interesting thing is that Sarri was actually asked this very question after the game in the, in the newspaper huddle after the press conference. He was, he was asked... Uh, about the comparison between Pedro and Mertens, and he he, he kind of steered away from it. I mean, he, he he came back with the whole, you know, Pedro is a great player. I'm a very lucky coach. I get to choose between him and Willian. So he, I don't think he wants to set those kind of expectations for for a guy who's who's also 31. But um, I I think uh, I think he's more likely to be what. Uh, without getting too far into the sort of Napoli weeds, uh, I think he's more likely to be what Jose Callahan was in that front three on the on the right hand side. Where in Sarri's last two seasons, there he got double figures for goals and assists, and a very similar player to Pedro, very direct. Um, first thought always about how to move into a scoring position in the final third, and 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 looking to be the guy finishing moves with those sort of out out to in runs. I don't really see Pedro doing what Mertens did because I don't think Sarri is going to move him centrally. I think his his best his best strength, as it was at Barcelona as well, and and his best performances for Chelsea have come when he's got that ability to to start out wide and then drift into the middle of the pitch into a shooting position um, into little pockets of space, and he he's excellent at, at doing that. I'm not sure whether he would be able to convert from that into a guy who's suddenly playing maybe with his back to goal a little bit more in the middle and dealing with big centre-backs. Um, but he was particularly useful for the against the Bournemouth, off the bench against Bournemouth because when you need a goal, a guy who's as single-mindedly focused on scoring as he is, um, is an absolute diamond. You know, I, I've always thought that while... Willian and Hazard obviously really enjoy playing together. I'm not sure they're a brilliant combination because they're both really pass-first guys. And uh, and I think if 
I've heard it at Stamford Bridge frustrate supporters at times over the last few years where you've got two guys who are immensely skillful and can do pretty much anything with the ball, but they pass instead of shooting and they, they go for one extra one extra ball and overplay in the final third. Whereas Pedro can never be accused of doing that. He he, he sees a shot, he takes it. And as I've said before, he's the best best finisher at the club. So I think he's in line for a really good season at Chelsea, but I'm not necessarily sure think, he's going to... Yeah be on the Mertens trajectory. Have you got him in your fantasy? No, well, so I think I... Sorry, have you have you got him in your fantasy football team, Liam? I you know what? I was I was weighing it up at the start of the season. I didn't know whether Sarri would start with him or, or William. So I didn't have him in for the first couple of weeks. Then I put him in for this weekend and Sarri took him out, didn't he? Uh-huh. Um so I so I got lucky that he came off the bench and scored. But yeah, he, he's in my team now. But that would there the well, look, talking, rule, talking... it precludes um Giroud and Morata completely, doesn't it? You wouldn't be having either of them in the side. Yeah, if you had the you had the Mertens play, but it, it it would it wouldn't have to be Hazard, would it? Who would you possibly have if it wasn't Hazard? Who would you play on the left? If Hazard played on the left and Pedro was on the right, who would we have in the middle then to play that other part? Would it be um, uh, uh, I, I can't believe what, who's that? What that would it, could it be Hudson Odoi, for example? Um, could it be? Mm. Uh, because he, 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 as you say, it's that business of 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 having your back to the uh, to the attackers, which Hazard's never very good at. So, um... well, I think I think he would be. I think out of the the players that Chelsea have, though, I think Hazard probably would be best suited because he's he's one of the best players in the world at shielding the ball. It's yeah, it's sure. impossible to get the ball off him when he puts his body in between you and it. And he and he has had very good games as a false nine. It just depends whether you can get the ball into his feet or whether you're as Conte was doing last season hoofing yeah. the ball over his head you yeah know, that's the, right Conte was just pumping it up and he was being forced to miss it or try and head it or control it that way which was the ball in the air doesn't suit him it has to be to feet every time doesn't it if yeah absolutely play, if he is playing in that position yeah. and he's been very open about that as well in interviews yeah yeah uh, Vinder Blue made a really good point it wasn't actually Dean sorry Dean you don't get the credit for this one uh, Vinderblue said it's muscle memory for Pedro. He's come up playing this system and that role. I mean, the role he's playing at the moment, not the one we were alluding to the fact he might play. And I think that's a good point, isn't it? He does look very comfortable in Sarri's system. Perhaps, you know, more comfortable than a lot of the others who are still trying to get used to it, perhaps? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that Guardiola brought him in as the as the right wide forward in a 4-3-3. So he was, this is the role he, he broke into professional football playing. And... Um, you know, it doesn't take any any adaptation for him, and it, and he's he's got the additional skills as well to to work well in a Sarri system. He knows how to press, he knows how to work back. He's got really good one touch control. I think that's something that's often that's often underrated about Pedro. But his 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 skill level, his close control, his ability to to keep the ball in tight spaces is is really important for especially when you're playing teams that sit deep like Bournemouth and Newcastle. It really is the plus, I think. We've got such skillful players. But if you give give them an environment that they can excel in, I I honestly think we're we're, we're challenging for the title. And it's going to get better. It's not not the finished article at all. And yet the the number of passes we're getting together, is it Jorginho? uh, Would he have 419 passes? He's had more than any other other midfielder in Europe. I mean, quite phenomenal. Phenomenal Mm. stuff. I'm I'm loving it, personally. I think it's brilliant. Good. Um, John, if Jonathan's happy, I'm happy. Uh, right, now I want to talk pigeons. Let's get serious, you know. <laughs> so let's long off the football. Let's talk about the really important thing on Saturday. 
Uh, Marco, uh, tell me about the pigeon. Well, it was kind of, um, I think it was about two minutes, to, to just immediately after kickoff. Um, obviously, Chelsea, Chelsea were um, had the initiative, and uh, we, we, we kind of like said, "Oh, look, there, there's a pigeon there on the pitch." <laughs> I think you, you, you and 39,000 other people. Well, exactly. But it, it was kind of all, all the action was... What we do, I know. All the action was up the other end of the pitch, pretty much, for the for, for the first half. So we were, like, kind of thinking, oh, well, he, he's going to fly away as soon as the ball comes up. Well, he was on the wing. Yeah, and then... And then oh! oh, oh. And, and, then he, and then he switched he switched over to the other side. Um, which was hilarious, but yeah, no, I, I mean, play was going on, sort of. Well, I mean, I, I actually thought at one point that um, Alonso was gonna stamp was on him, surging runs, and I thought he was gonna like boot the ball at the poor thing. Um, but but his no. concentration was phenomenal, wasn't it? The fact that he didn't move at all, he just kept pecking away. Yeah. I just thought, bloody hell. On a couple of occasions, the ball had actually passed round it. You just thought, and what's, and what are you doing? You're not going to react to this. It was so sure that it, the ball would never hit him. The well, trouble was, when, when Chelsea was... scored, though, when Chelsea scored, it didn't celebrate, which made me think it's a Bournemouth yeah, pigeon. A Bournemouth pigeon? Was it, uh, was it, was it picking at cherry seeds? Yeah. Uh, listen, uh, you know... I. Talking of pigeons and, and stopping them, um, I, I've now found out the entire cast list of uh, Stop the Pigeon, <laughs> also known as the Wacky Races, uh, and they are uh, Dick Dastardly, Private Meekly. Oh. Jonathan, who was Private Meekly? Uh, he was the meek one. <laughs> I can't remember him. Very good. I don't remember him at all. Clyde? Actually. Clyde, was he one Clyde? of the... Uh, oh, God, think, was this one of the spin-offs, Chidge? This yeah, was a spin-off. No, no, separate this is... Separate show, wasn't it? Is it? It's yeah. a separate show, Chief. Well, I don't know. No, no, because it, it was the... It sl- says Wacky Races. Slag you know, Brothers. It says Wacky Races. Gruesome Twosome. Okay, well, let's just shut up and, I'll, let, and I'll read them out. And then you... Then, I, then you profess- oh, what, no, that's what, right. What? Sergeant Blast and Private Meekly. You're right. Yeah, yeah. With the steamroller. All right. Yeah. Army Surplus yeah, Special. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah. Muttley, Professor Pat Pending, which is Liam, uh, Gravel Slag, Little Rusum, Ring-a-Ding, Sawtooth. I remember. I remember. Sort. Stop playing it. Uh, stop playing it because we we'll get sued. Uh, so just mute you, Marco. Right, gone. Uh, the ant mill. Yeah. Ant-mil so mil what mil. else we got? Ring a ding, sawtooth, rock slag, big gruesome, red max, sergeant blast, Peter perfect, Rufus roughcut, Luke uh, blubber bear. I remember blubber bear. Blubber Bear was brilliant because he did used to blub. Anyway, okay, enough of uh, wacky races. They were, yeah, uh, they were in the Arkansas Chuggabug, weren't they? The Arkansas Chuggabug. The Arkansas yeah. Chuggabug. Oh, blimey. Oh, God, blimey. Yeah, it's all coming back now. I remember the tank, uh, the, 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 the kind of, um, what, what do they call it? Steamroller tank. That was quite amusing, yes. wasn't it? But they don't have the Ant Hill mob in there. That's really odd. Because the Ant Hill mob were one of my favourites. Who were the they two blokes? Anyway, they have what? Sorry, one at one at a time, Jonathan. No, just the Ant Hill mob. Who were the two blokes who wore the the um, who, who wore the uh, the masks and were? It must be one of the Ant Hill mob. I was getting it confused with because I thought they were mates yeah. of uh, Dick Dastardly. He had a couple of uh, um, uh. henchmen. He got to do things. 
Perhaps I'm thinking of a later series because there were four spin-offs. You may have a spin-off. Yeah. A spin-off, indeed. Anyway, listen, we need to spin-off too uh, because we're going to talk more Chelsea-Bournemouth after the break. Uh, We're going to be looking at the Maratha v Giroud debate. Is it time for the big beardy Frenchie to start? Is Marcus Alonso the best left-back in Europe? This is what Maurizio Sarri claims. Uh, is Antony Antonio Rudiger de Panza, as a certain Mark Worrell claims? And with four wins out of four, is it all too good to be true? And uh, thus far, what is the good and the bad of Sarri's season? We'll be back in a sec. The only place for Chelsea fans. Footballfancast.com. Real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to Chidge and the boys on the Chelsea Football Fancast. Total nutters and proper Chelsea. Welcome back. This is the uh, Chelsea Fancast, and I'm Stamford Chidge, and uh, I'm joined by the wonderful Jonathan Kidd. Oh, great to be here. Great to be described as wonderful. Thank you. There we go. Also known as, what's your wacky? Who, who did I decide you were in wacky races? Um, uh, 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 I've forgotten already. Blubber Bear will do for Thank now. Thank you. Uh, and we have uh, Mark Worrell, aka uh, Penelope Pitstop. Buonasera. And uh, we, Buonasera. And we have the wonderful Liam Toomey from ESPN, also known as Professor Pat Pending. There's a pun in there somewhere. Right, okay. Uh, oh, before I do that, a uh, quick shout-out and plug for the ChelseaFanCast.com website where you will find loads of wonderful articles, uh, particularly by some people who are mixed tonight, which is Dean Mears and Vin de Blue. Uh, but many other people write for it as well. Um, I don't know. I haven't seen Keon in the in the mixer chat room tonight. I wonder where the young man is. Anyway, enough already. Right. Um, the interesting thing, of course, uh, yet again, um, was the fact that uh, you know Morata didn't. I don't think he really impressed that much. Giroud came on and he did. I mean, basically, it, it just kind of. I think it kind of boils down to this. We we touched on this last week, but you know, basically, Morata needs space and confidence. Giroud comes on, makes an impact, and has the crowd right behind him. But let's face it, neither of them seem able to score goals, do they, Liam? No, there isn't a perfect choice for <laughs> for Sarri here. Um, but he, he does increasingly have a decision to make. I think the way the game panned out, um, in the first half, Bournemouth were pressing pretty high and playing quite a high line. And, and you could see Chelsea looking, particularly with David Luiz, for that quick ball over the top of over the top of the defence and it nearly came off about four or five times and it was often aimed at Morata and I think that is that is the intended purpose of him at the head of this 4-3-3 that's the role Sarri wants him to play attacking that space in behind and it's the role he wants to play but once Bournemouth dropped back um, and became more defensive after half time he just disappeared from the game and I think it's really worrying for, for Chelsea and worrying for Sarri that he seems to have only one way of, of influencing games right now, Morata. He, he, once teams do sit back and he has to play with his back to goal again, it's like he he, do, he, he doesn't even seem to be involved in the play all that much. And um, and and the heading was, you know, he forged a great reputation for being a formidable header of the ball at the start of last season. He, he was getting crowded out with crosses as well. So... Um, I think if teams continue to set up the way Newcastle and Newcastle did and Bournemouth did in the second half, 
then Giroud is the better option because he has a great awareness of midfield runners. He can link up with Hazard and uh, Pedro, Willian, Kovacic, Kante, you know, so um, and really sort of ignite that Chelsea attack, um, even if he doesn't score himself. And that and that alone, you know, it's not in itself enough to win a game, but it's certainly more than Morata is offering in those situations right now. Hmm. I mean, we were alluding to it in part one, weren't we? You know, there, there may also be another option, which is a, a some sort of a combination of William Pedro and uh, and Hazard, which wouldn't wouldn't you know necessarily not work given what uh, Sarri did at Napoli. Um, and and I wonder if uh, this has been given more credence by the fact that Tammy Abraham uh, has gone out on loan to Villa. So, you know, that I don't forgive me if I'm wrong, Liam, but I don't think we have any other strikers, do we now? Not central strikers. Um, I mean, mm. Bashwai was loaned out because Sarri told him he could easily be third choice. And I think after taking a look at Abraham, uh, I don't think Abraham was overjoyed at the prospect of, of going back to the championship on loan. And that's why it went down to the, the final day and the final hours of the window. But he ultimately made the same decision as Bashwai, which was being third choice at Chelsea is, is not as good as getting first team football elsewhere, even if it's maybe at a, at a lower level. And he, he'll be hoping he can rip up the championship now and, and, and get his, get his career back in, like get some forward momentum back into his career. Um, yeah. I, but yeah, I do, I do think the false nine is very much in, in Sarri's mind as an option. I still don't think it's his first option right now. I think he's committed to to trying to get Morata to work, and I think he quite likes some of the, some of the things that Giroud offers. He's clearly not a, a total Sarri player, um, but if, if if neither of them hit the ground running and, and score consistently in the next next few weeks and months, then I can see Hazard being given a go in that in that central role with Willian and Pedro either side of him. Marco, are you kind of sorry to see Tammy Abraham go? Another another one of our youth, uh, you know, getting sent out to out to grass, really. And I mean, at Villa, he's going to have his work cut out, isn't he? Because they look like shit at the moment. Yeah, I mean, it, it's. I think sort of Tammy's unfortunately uh, fallen, and maybe two or three others um, there have kind of fallen victim to this change in the the the, the day. That um, you know, uh, Premier League clubs can do business in in the transfer window in terms of um, you know bringing players in because I'm pretty certain, you know, he he would have gone on loan to um, a Premier League club as opposed to a Championship side, uh, you know. And as Liam said there, you know, it was kind of like pretty much you know last ditch thing where. You know, I think Sarri said on on Thursday or Friday. You know, it's up to Tammy now. Um, what what happens? You know, clearly having told him that he's behind um, Giroud and Morata, and to, you know, which which he is. And I kind of think, you know, he, he had that great season, didn't he, with with Bristol City, and then um, kind of went a bit flat. Um, and he's he's not really. You know, had that opportunity in the same way that Ruben did last season with Palace. Um, you know that Swansea, just for a number of reasons, didn't didn't really work. Um, 
I think he got injured while he was there as well. And obviously had changes of manager and they got relegated. But um, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, it's just, it's just, a, it's like a, it's like a stuck record, isn't it? It's like, we just changed the name of the player um, and the loan club and move, move, move everything on by a couple of years. And it's, it's a different player that we're talking about, but the same old story. Um, and I, you know, I, I just don't see that changing. I mean, if you know, if Surrey's still the manager in three years' time, you know, looking at going into a fourth year, then then maybe we will see one or two of these. Um, you know, I, I just think it's interesting. For example, Klopp at Liverpool. What's he there? Is it's that his fifth season he's going into now? I mean, I know he hasn't won anything, but you know, he's got. He's got Joe Gomez and Trent Alexander-Arnold, who are kind of 19 and 20, um, in his first-choice backline, you know, and that and that um, you know has grown out of those those kids sort of being there for a while, um, you know, proving themselves, and then him thinking, well, you know what, let's give these lads a go, um, whereas. You know, even even on Saturday with with kind of Ruben, you kind of feel with Kovacic coming in, who clearly um, Sari had his had, had his eye on if that deal was going to come together with Courtois going to Madrid. Um, you know, Kovacic is is he is the first choice. He's the third of that that trio of uh, Jorginho and um, Kante, isn't he? So. You know what chance is Ruben going to get this season? It's going to be Europa League games, um, substitute appearances in the Prem and League Cup games, um, and it's just unfortunate. And I, I just, you know, we, we're all you know we were, during the summer we we're like saying, oh yeah, Callum Hudson Adoy, you know, and you can just see it kind of just rolling on. Well, Mason Mount at Derby. Um, you know, it's the, the next the next player that comes along that impresses, and we all go, we all stand back and go, "Wow, he's going to be the player in the first team," um, and it, and it just never happens. And I just think, you know, unfortunately, I think Tammy Abrams going to fall through the cracks in the pavement, just you know, in the same way as all the others do. He, he may do well at Villa, he may, he may not. I think there is a difference, though, Marco. I think that in that we are playing these very weak teams in the Europa League, and I think he'll change the whole team. It'll just be it'll be eleven new players, and I think Abraham's done himself a disservice if he's saying I wasn't going to get a game because I think he would have played in the Europa League, and I think it gives everybody an opportunity to impress. You know, like uh, you never know somebody might get injured, and then Loftus Cheek finds himself um, first choice. And because, and also because he's been playing in the Europa League and in the League Cup. I mean, we may not last long in the League Cup, if, uh, unfortunately, having drawn Liverpool. But um, all you need is for them to play a first team and us to play a reserve side, and uh, that'll be the end of that. But I honestly think that um, he'll uh, he'll have a mixture, but I think he'll give opportunities. And as I think we've said before uh, um, uh, on previously, that uh, I think he'll change everybody. Well, I, don't, I, don't, I mean, I don't disagree with that. And I, to be honest with you, I, th- I think our second eleven um, did quite well. Yeah. Well, I mean, Liverpool. You know that that week that we or that that they've got four games. I think which uh, the sequence is something like us in the League Cup, us in the league, and then 
Napoli and Manchester City. Right. So, so I think Klopp's fairly likely to give Put his reserves in. Yeah, yeah and, and I actually think I was having a discussion with somebody about this on Saturday, and I, you know, we kind of came to the agreement. Well, I ended up putting a bet on us going through because I just thought <laughs> our side's going to be better in every position than uh, pretty much than than Liverpool's. So I think we've got a pretty good chance. But you know, I, I think that side will. If, if Sarri's persisting with Morata as his key striker, which he seems to be doing, um, and, and, you know, to his credit for doing that, because I think everybody else's patience has, has kind of withered slightly. Um, although, you know, there was kind of a flicker. Um, was it last week against Newcastle or the, the, the game before? I can't remember. Or maybe asked, he kind of like flicked, there was a flicker there and he thought, oh, hang on a minute, he might just spark into life and be the striker that we all want him to be. But it kind of, it disappeared again on um, Saturday. But, I, you know, I, I think if he's if he's playing Maratta in the Prem games, then he's going to start Giroud um, in, in, the, in the other games. Um, so I, I don't really think there would have been an opportunity for Abraham. Yeah, and I think yeah. that's, you know, he probably had that yeah. conversation with him. Um, and I- So, Liam, here, here, Liam, if you, just a quick question here, because we're, we're talking about Tammy Abraham. Did, did he did he jump or was he pushed? Well, I think um, I think it was probably an element of both. <laughs> I mean, he he, he, right. he he wants to play. He wants to carry on his development. You know, he's just had, he's had two seasons of, of regular football, although... Swansea was nowhere near as positive an experience for him as Bristol City was, and it's very difficult to go from that uh, back to you know cup appearances and, and and a few scattered substitute minutes here and there, as the guys have said. So I think there was a, an enthusiasm on his part, but equally, I think he saw the value, and Sarri stressed the value of working with him at Cobham and sort of learning his ideas, his specific brand of football, because this is the other problem with the loan system. When you out, when you outsource your development to other clubs, you put these guys in, in situations that don't necessarily prepare them for, for what you're hoping they'll become. You know, that will he, will he learn how to play Sarri ball at Aston Villa? I extremely doubt it. So Uh, all you can really hope Bruce ball, (laughs) (laughs) but all you can really hope for is that he could, he develops um, all round as a footballer on and off the pitch with the experience and, and comes back a, a better all round player. But in terms of the specifics of being uh, a player that Sarri can use, it, it doesn't really help him. And that, that goes to the heart, I think of why, the loan system is a is an imperfect solution to to kind of an unsolvable problem for English football, not just for Chelsea at the moment. But isn't isn't the, the Jonathan the, yes, want to, say, to take on him? Yeah. Well, I was just going to bring you in actually because uh, you know Marco was talking about Loftus Cheek, uh, who who had an impressive ish cameo from what I understand. Um, but you know the the flip side to that is that Kovacic is looking like a really good player and he's really linking up very very well with Hazard. So I think you know just to kind of looks flip like the debate round on its head. He looks like Hazard. Well, there we go. He does a bit actually, doesn't yeah. he? But I mean, you know, he's clearly a very good player. One would say right now he's a much better player than Loftus Cheek. So Loftus Cheek's going to have a real big ask to, big to ask. break into the side. Although your point's a big ask. Oh, Although your your point remains valid, mate, you know, and I think the same could have applied to Tammy Abraham. You know, it, it, that we've got a lot of games this season. 
So, you know, they might well get a chance. I mean, look at Harry Kane. Harry Kane broke into the Spurs side because he was playing in the Europa League and they had an injury. Boom, he got in and he impressed and off he went. So who's to say that couldn't happen to one of these guys? So maybe we're getting, you know, maybe they're too impatient and want to go out on a loan and maybe we're getting rid of them too soon. I don't well, know. Well, I think, we're, well, I think, think the example that. of Gomez and um, uh, uh, Liverpool and the other one, what's the other fullback? Like um, yeah, yeah, is... is Perhaps they were they were hanging around. They didn't go out on loan, so they learned mm, Klopp's w- yeah, way of playing. That's my point. Yeah, exactly. So uh, yeah, it's a it's a toss up, isn't it? I think Loftus Cheek has um, what Sarri said. He thinks he might go in January, but in the meantime, he's learning how to play. I mean, I when he came on in the game, I noticed a turn of speed from him on two occasions I hadn't noticed before, and I suddenly thought, bloody hell, he's a he, he, when he when he goes for it and and runs with the ball, he's an, an enormous unit. There's a Hullet-like quality about him because he's he's huge. So uh, you think, yeah, well, perhaps if he's learning it, um, uh, yeah. you know, he, at least he's then having to to up his game, isn't he? If he's trying to get ahead of Barkley, um, and the very fact that he did get on at the weekend, you think, well, perhaps he is ahead of Barkley. But once again, it's it's looking at training, isn't it? We don't know what's going on. It may be that he's adapting yeah, adapting absolutely. better at the moment. You know. Yeah, no, I, th- I think it's, you know, I think that uh, given the amount of time we spend talking about this week after week after week, it's an, it's an absolutely unanswerable issue, isn't it? You know, and I think your point's valid there, JK. You know, we don't see what happens in training. But I do think, actually, you know, what Liam was saying a minute ago, and Marco to a certain extent, you know, they do have an opportunity, even if they're not playing week in, week out in the Premier League, to learn Sarri's methods. And the big theme of this season so far is how quickly these players learn how to play the kind of football that Sarri plays. So he ain't going to learn that. Tammy Abraham ain't going to learn that at Aston Villa. That is for sure. Anyway, I want to move this on a bit because we've, been, we've, we've indulged ourselves with that one for quite a while. Uh, we need to talk about Alonso because talking about uh, Maurizio Sarri, I mean, there's been a lot of debate about Alonso. Uh, well, I, I hesitate to say debate on social media, but there's been a lot of noise about him. You know, we've been very supportive of Alonso all the time on this show. I think he's a superb player, and it's not just because I love his wham haircut. Um, but Maurizio Sarri was was effusive with his praise, Liam, wasn't he, in the presser, saying that he's the best left-back in Europe. I think the question is, you know, A, is he the best left-back in Europe? I honestly don't think so. Secondly, can he be the best uh, left-back in Europe? And uh, would you say he's our player of the season so far? Well, I think um, I, I think because I, I asked the question of of, of Sari in the press conference. Did you? Yeah, and uh, uh, the way I phrased it was um, how unusual in his experience is it to to find a fullback that is as good going forward as Alonso is. So I think his answer, when you consider the question, I think his answer was along the terms of yeah. how good Alonso is going forward. Um, and he said specifically as well that, you know, he said a couple of times he needs to improve in the defensive phase, which I think is something that all Chelsea fans have been yeah, pointing absolutely. out for the last two years as well. Um, going going forward, I mean, aside from his athletic limitations, there's nothing really he can't do. You know, he's he's got an uncanny ability to, to score when he gets into the box. He's taller than most fullbacks and really strong in the air. He's, when he crosses the ball, he doesn't just cross the ball into an area. He actually picks people out. He's got he's got excellent technique. He know, he knows the limitations in his game, so he very rarely gives the ball away. Um, I think he's a really, really good player, albeit a flawed one. I mean, most players are flawed in, in some way, and you just have to organise the team to, to conceal those weaknesses. 
The problem, I think, the question with this Chelsea system is whether it conceals Alonso's weaknesses against the very best teams, um, which Chelsea haven't really played yet. So I, I think he'll continue to be a really good asset going forward. I, I think he's got a, a very fair shout for being Chelsea's player, the player of the first four games. Um, and, he, and he'll continue <laughs> to be absolutely crucial. But uh, I think against the very top teams, you know, that, that side of that back four with him and David Luiz of, uh, attempting to provide cover for him inside is going to be something that opponents look at and target. Mm. And of course, he, Jonathan, he should have been um, sent off, of course, at the weekend. Oh, I, see, what, I, I missed that, obviously. But what, what uh, He was booked for pulling somebody back, which was fair enough. And then he prevented a throw from being taken by uh, hauling himself onto their back, practically, um, which um, yeah. uh, would have gained an advantage for them. So it was, uh, it was um, uh, bringing the game, not bringing the game to disrepute. It was ungentlemanly conduct and he should have been booked. He has got a bit of an edge to him, hasn't he? Actually, a lot. He, so he can he can dish it out on occasion. Yeah. Well, you see, I like that, as you well know. Uh, listen, old fruit. Um, I, I'm de- I've been dying to ask you this uh, since uh, obviously the match on Saturday because yes. I didn't have the uh, I didn't have the chance to catch up with you. And by the way, I did see your your Dan and uh, and and uh, yourself doing your little promo for the Chelsea fan cast was it, was, at the Atlas Pub. I it was. Believe. Was it acceptable, Chidge? Well, I think it would have been much better with me in it, of course, obviously. Of but course. other than that, I thought it was like, You wonderful. did get a mention because I you know, said I it was you weren't in it, I think. You know. I, I did. Yeah. I know. Uh, Dan's head was very big. Yes, as I, as I, as I put in my uh, little spiel. Yes, it was strange. I, I don't know why that, why that was the case, but uh, he looked um, as mm, if he had a lot of brain, which I suppose he does have, which is good. He did. He does have a lot of brain. Yeah. He does have a and, lot and of brain. I was, of course, I was, brain, and he has a brain like a football. And I, of course, was in the programme, which was rather nice. I didn't realise, but I was. Oh, yes. Yeah. This is your moment to talk about you being in the programme. May program. I do that? Well, Thank you very much. I forgot that earlier. Thank you. I forgot that earlier. Yeah. Oh, and before you do, yeah. uh, uh, Dick Darsley's uh, henchman was clunk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that must be it, then. That's me. <laughs> I'd forgotten that completely. Blimey. Um, yeah, I was in the... Um, the uh, Rick Glanville wrote a bit about uh, um, Stanford and uh, and he quotes me in, in it um, uh, wrongly, I have to say, but um, um, Rick uh, Rick sent me something saying, I've written this. And I said, well, you've got a few things wrong. And he, and, uh, he is what you should... Can you add this? And he didn't. He just kept it going. But it was a nice article. Um, can I read a bit of it? Did he write it? Yeah. yeah, is it long? No, not particularly. I'll read it quickly. Um, then you can read Jonathan it. Jonathan Kidd, son of veteran character actor Sam, had stage experience of doing skins, that's true, and had been a regular, I was fat puffing, of course, and had been a regular on children's TV show Pipkins. Uh, he was also a huge Chelsea fan, now a popular podcaster, oh, thank you very much, who played, who, who played Sunday football with snapper Hugh Hastings. It was a big thing, recalls Kidd. Mm. Mike Barker kept saying, you have to make a big impression, as this is the first time the home support will have seen him. In fact, I told him that. Anyway, I was treated with such amazement by the kids. I ran the lengths of the stand, touching hands with as many children as I could, then dribbled the ball to the goal, booted it in and celebrated, ran up to the shed and waved, ran back to the centre circle, waved to all sides of the ground. Then I shook hands with the players, posed for photos, accompanied the mascot. It was utterly exhausting. But I also remember being, turns page, um, asked who the beep 
Hell Are You by the Away supporters, who I ran towards <laughs> and bowed at, which I rather liked. The costume was impossible to remove without assistance, so Kid would, make, would miss much of the opening 45 minutes, while a man who otherwise provided the players half-time tea tugged away at Stamford's arms and legs. In fact, it was the hooks and eyes on the back because this Velcro... So you're telling me that the man who made the half-time tea gave you a tug for most it, of the half uh, Well, half. No, Rick said that. He, all he did was actually take the hooks okay. and eyes off, but, you know, it was nice of Rick to give that image. On several occasions... In it, most people only get a lemon. <laughs> on se- or a banana. On several <laughs> occasions in his... Actually, wrong, wrong thing to say there, banana. On several occasions in his civvies, Kib was evicted from the East Stand for not having a matchday pass by a steward. <laughs> when confronted by... Him, kid remembers. I said, I've just been the lion. He replied, and I'm the queen of Sheba and escorted me out. And that, that's true. That's exactly what happened. That happened that happened regularly. They wouldn't give me a pass. And every I'd go into the into the tunnel and he just uh, uh, he'd take me out, he'd escort me out. A frog march me out, you know, that business of well, grabbing you, you under the armpit, you know, and taking you out. And I'd then have to pay to get back in. It was about one and six then, so it was hardly uh, breaking the bank but uh, that era one and six bloody hell we could have a slap up meal in the west end for one and six and spend the night at the, at the ritz uh, no you couldn't but um yeah it was uh, it was fun brief though it was so uh, yeah but yeah, very nice to me listen i'll be so uh, well lovely yeah. I, to be written about in the program yeah. and it's uh, i'm really so delighted that that rick called you a popular podcaster not a popular chelsea fancaster you know could have could have done us a favour there with a bit of brand. Oh recognition, yeah, of course Rick, he could. I, I love you, so I will re- I will forgive you. Um, listen, old fruit. Um, you know you were in prime position to see the next thing I want to talk about, which was uh, was Rudiger uh, throttling is the only way I can describe it. I think he he hugged the very life out of uh, Chelsea legend Gianfranco Zola. Has Zola recovered yet from being hugged by Rudiger? Did you see I, I it? I didn't see it. I tried to take a photo of it. But I kept thinking, oh, it'll it'll just be, you know, there'll be a second of the of the hug. That's nice. I thought, oh, bloody hell, it's going on and on and on. I must get a photograph. And I got my, my phone out and somebody jostled me. And I thought, oh, God, because they were going back to this, going back to the bar. Oh, God, I've got to try to. And I thought, oh, well, I'll, I'll give up. It'll stop. And it was carrying on. I thought, oh, but I'll have another go. It's still going. It's still. Why is this going on for so long? What is this? It was at least 30 seconds worth of hug. I mean, for goodness sake, obviously they like each other. But he, he was in huggy mode, Rudiger, because he also hugged um, several other people very, very uh, closely. So uh, I think he was pleased that we'd won. Yeah, well, I, I hope I hope Franco recovered because, you know, we all love Franco. Marco, uh, we, we can't uh, talk about the match without talking to your uh, new sobriquet for uh, <laughs> Senior Antonio Rudiger, De Panza. De Panza. And uh, from what I read on Twitter... It's because he's mobile and effective at neutralising opponents. He's becoming a... I mean, I agree with you entirely, I think. It's not just a, a flash in the pan, this. I think for most of last season, he was looking like he could be some sort of some player for us. And I think he's proven that, isn't he? Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, I, I, I was I was always keen on him going back to the time when we, we first tried to sign him and he got, he got injured in the warm-ups for the... For the Euros back in 2016, I think he did a did an a, did his ACL or he had some injury similar to Zuma, and then he kind of you know that all went quiet, and then you know we bought him a year later when he was um, fully fit, and he kind of you know you, you sort of look at the physical attributes that he's got, 
Um, you know, he's he's really quick, um, and and he's effective. He you know he reads the game um, better, and and you know I mean Chelsea desperately need him as long as as long as Louise is in that other centre back position. Um, you know, without him there, you know, we'd be in, we'd have all kinds of problems, particularly, you know, given the fact that we've kind of lost that, that, that the Kante shield in the back line role, you know, for all his marvellous, wonderful passing, Jorginho doesn't do that job. Um, and, you know, I thought, you know, against Arsenal, we, we, we got exposed um, in that respect. And I think it's important that we've got, you know, somebody that's a proper, brutal centre-half who can get up and down the pitch, move around the penalty area, make himself, make a nuisance of himself. Um, you know, and uh, he's, for me, he's, he's, he's kind of like, you know, John Terry with a few extra pounds. Um, and, you know, we, we, when we watch him play, we've kind of been saying, oh, you know, he's... He's already a bit of a cult hero, and um, you know he's just got he's just got all the right attributes to to be a solid English league centre back. You know he's just perfectly suited for the game. You know when the pitches get heavy and and the weather turns cruddy, you know he's not going to disappear. You know and um, uh, you know vanish into the ether. Uh, I, I just think he's. You know, Great player, um, tank-like, hence De Panza. Marco, why do you think what's you know happened what, to Louise? Because make... I was asked, what, what what do we think's happened to Louise? Why isn't Louise as good as he was the season we won the title? Because he's making errors, isn't he? I think well, Louise has always always had um, a ricket associated to lapses of concentration in him. I think I think that was always lurking in his in his game um but uh, you know as i said i think where chelsea have where chelsea's defense has previously benefited um you know there's been that anchor man you know that the the kante position where you know he really is that extra man at the back protecting the defense and uh, and that isn't jorginho's jorginho's game so you know what that means is that um, I think the opposition know this, and that they will play play to that, you know, play to that weakness in, in the same way as you know as Liam alluded to, and you know deep down we all know that uh, you know he might get there, but you know the, the, there's that little concern with um, Alonso on the on the on the left side that if he's pressed in, into action as as a full back it might not quite come together for him in, you know in, in in terms of his ability to to deal with situations and i think you know that that's that's the issue with louise's game you know for all his wonderful distribution um you know he's he's there to defend as well and i you know i just wonder i, I always thought last season um you know i like louise i think he's he's a great player and he has his moments but it only takes one game um, and one ricket to go a goal down, and you know 
we, we've we've seen now with Bournemouth and Newcastle teams that you know they're setting two banks of two lines of defenders staying deep looking for an opportunity to have a to break through you know new uh, Bournemouth had a you know several decent um counter attacks uh, against Chelsea and uh, it, it is a concern and you know I mean again Sarri in the same way as he is doing with Morata he's kind of persisting with um, Louise and you know for me I, I thought you know Christensen had kind of shown enough last season to um, you know if, if we weren't going to buy anybody which we didn't for, for that position to, to to have come through and you know establish himself as um, one 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 half of that centre back pairing, but uh, you know clearly Sarri does doesn't see it that way. So I, I don't know what you know. It'll be interesting. You know we've got this game against Cardiff, and then um, you know we've got the 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 the, the Salah and Mane from Firmino triumvirate to to. Um, See, see how resilient our defence can be against you know that lot. Um, so it'd be interesting because I, I just don't see you know Louise isn't going to change. You know he, he's going to play the way he plays. He's going to keep making the, the 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 same occasional mistake and and occasionally, unfortunately, we'll, we will get punished for it. <laughs> Mm. Okay, well, look, that's a very good segue into to what I wanted to talk about next, which is which is actually about uh, Signore Sari, uh, because I mean, you know, we played four out of four. Uh, we sorry, we won four out of four. We played, you know, attractive Sari esque football, uh, lots of possession and passing. <clears throat> the team, I think, more importantly, the morale seems to be back. They all seem like a very happy ship at the moment um but the most important thing of all obviously is that we're winning we've won four out of four and in, in a sense i think considering you know we we weren't that well, i mean we, we didn't know what to expect really did we so i think given all of that in a sense it's a bit too good to be true but there's a there's a there's a balance sheet here i think to be discussed and on the one hand there's the good which is the possession rather than the counter-attacking football which means we're on the front foot Jorginho, i think has been excellent with his passing and control as i said we've we've won and we've also won late on, which tells me that the side have some character. Uh, and on the on the negative side, I think Marco's right. We we do have some defensive worries. Luis's errors, Alonso not tracking back or or being as good a defender as he is uh, going offensively. The striker issue uh, is a is is a worry. And I think I think one of you three, I can't remember who it was, but did mention that. Well, actually, I think it was Marco. Actually, we haven't we haven't really played many good sides. So, Liam, where, where do we stand at the moment? Where, where, where is the balance sheet tipping towards at the moment? I have to say I'm, I'm quite encouraged, to be honest. I'm really, really surprised at how good the results have been, honestly. Um, <laughs> well, honestly, looking at it in pre-season, I was in Nice and in, in, Dub- in yeah. Dublin and they put together sort of 45 good minutes and then, and then really tail off. And I mean, sometimes that happens in friendlies anyway, but I'm really impressed with how quickly... Uh, Sarri has been able to get his ideas across, given that it's such a, a specific, different brand of football from anything Chelsea have played before. Um, and he's had so little time to work with most of these players. Uh, is particularly, you know, Hazard, Kante, Kovacic, 
either because of the transfer window or the World Cup, they all arrived pretty much a, a week or a few days before the season. So it's it, it's a very impressive achievement, and I think they are results wise way ahead of schedule. Um, and if I if I was Manchester United um, in particular or Arsenal in in the race for the top four, I'd be slightly worried about how well Chelsea have started because this is the time of the season where you would think that they would have teething problems and uh, and and it, and it hasn't been that way even if there have been problems during games on the pitch they've gotten away with most of their mistakes um, which I'm sure won't continue for most for all of the season but they might not make as many mistakes come March April time and you know it's I think it's allowing fans to enjoy the style a little bit more and, and get a little bit more excited about it, and uh, and we we've seen what we've seen what Chelsea can do with momentum. You know, it's the the shift to three four three that that Conte masterminded a couple of years ago transformed the atmosphere around the club, and they won thirteen games in a row and and sealed the title. Now. The Premier League landscape is very different to what it was then. You know, you have one exceptional team and, and one in Manchester City and one team in Liverpool who I think are, are still better than Chelsea. But I, I, I am probably more confident than I was uh, when, when the season started. I did predict Chelsea would finish third, but I'm more confident in that prediction now than I was at the beginning of August. Well, I mean, I, as I said, I'm, I'm equally encouraged and I'm and not, not a little surprised. I mean, Jonathan, on that balance sheet there, I think there are way more positives than negatives at the moment. Would you agree? Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, as I said earlier, I'm, I, I'm loving it. I, I, th- I don't think they've reached anywhere near their potential. And I think they're, they're, they're uh, flashes of, of complete brilliance. Um, and I don't think well, there were com- people complaining on Twitter about it was just like watching... Uh, um, a Conte side again, who unable to score against teams who park the bus, and I, I, I'm not getting that feeling. I'm finding it um, uh, it's frustrating, but uh, I just think um, we seem to be finding better ways of of scoring. Um, oh, not better ways. We're, we're just making it. We're we're, we're scoring, and I'm, I'm and it, there seems to be more effort going into it. I don't know why. More skill, more pressing, and as you said earlier, I think we're wearing them down. Um, but and I, I keep thinking, what would we what what would we be like if we had uh, a centre forward who would say was as good as Aguero? Um, it, it, I, I, you just think, well, the, I think the potential for this side is absolutely enormous. Um, so it would be interesting to see if they do make any purchases in January. But uh, as Liam said, I think it's it, the fact that we're starting off this way has just been a revelation. But I, I'm, I'm I'm so enjoying watching the team play this way. Um, and uh, and I think they can only get better as they get more used to it because they're still not getting the ball forward quickly enough. Um, I think, as was stated um, by one of the players, was it Hazard said it in, in his post-match interview that um, that they at half time they said we just need to pass the ball more quickly, and they did. So they're very good at. They're, they're, we have to remember they're very good players. We've got top players playing for us, top skillful players, and they do take it on board. So uh, it, it, it's, it's, it's still a work in progress, remember. And I think we're doing remarkably well. And it's, uh, I think we can only get better. So I'm, I think it's, a, it's going to be a fantastic season. 
So, Marco, um, are you going to uh, pour what was it? Pour water on our fire, uh, or are you going to dampen our ardor, or are you going to be as effusive as a Mark Worrell that's drunk a bottle of uh, limoncello? <laughs> Do you know what? I think um, every every now and again, it's nice it's nice to have the rub of the green and a bit of luck. And I think you know we've kind of mm. we've got we've got to where we've got to this season. You know, with a hundred percent record. Um, uh, you know, there's been an element of good fortune in that. Um, however, you know, as the season progresses, um, you know, the reliance on good fortune should, should um, you know, be, become less. And I think the key thing is, you know, if you look at, I mean, I don't think it was ever going to happen, but look at, you know, look at Pellegrini at West Ham. He's a seasoned manager. He's won the Premier League. He's gone in there. You know, the the, the Chuckle brothers have spent um, 100 million or whatever it is they've spent. And, and they've, you know, they've got four four straight defeats. Um, you know, have they been unlucky? Maybe. Um, you know, they, these things, you know, such things quite easily have... Um, you know, Arsenal could have could quite easily have won that game. Uh, you know, I think we were always going to beat Huddersfield, but if Arsenal had um, been a bit more effective, that they could easily have won that second game. You know, we we could have not made the breakthrough at Newcastle. You know, the the, the, the penalty. You know, all those things. There's been a, a slight element of um, good fortune to. But, but, you know, it's kind of like, you know, the harder you work, the luckier you get. And, you know, there's, there's no, there's no um, getting away from the fact that, you know, both Sarri and, and the players have worked hard to, you know, get, get acquainted with this new system. Um, and, and it's just fantastic that it's paying dividends. And the, and the big plus, uh, as far as, you know, that goes, you know, when, when players have a, you know, a, a capable... How, to what degree they go on and be exceptional? A lot of that's down to confidence, and um, you know they must be buzzing in that camp at the moment. Um, especially that you know the guys who are get, getting to play in a part of it all. Um, you know, provided we can, you know, the key players, the luck continues. We don't get um, injuries to key players. Um, I don't see any reason why. You know, we can't have a really good season. I think, you know, we're already seeing, you know, United have kind of got the, the, the classic Mourinho third season issues to deal with, which might, you know, harm their chances of a, a top four. Uh, Emery's, you know, Arsenal is stuttering and spluttering and I, and I think that's going to continue for a while. Uh, and Tottenham have just lost at Watford. So, you know... That that alone that that is, you know, a solid basis to be very optimistic about what, what the rest of the season could bring. Um, you know, whether that's silverware, who knows? Um, whether you know we finish in the top four, I think you know we've got to be looking at that with a fair degree of confidence. Um, you know, what 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 was. What has Sarri been instructed, you know, as his kind of key performance job pre- tre- preservation um, 
measures, you know, I, I guess it's getting back in the Champions League. So top four, mate. Top exactly. four, isn't it? So, it's got to be top so, four. So you know, you know, that's what the anything yeah. else is about. And, that, that's what the, and it'd be great, you know, how, how good's he going to feel if, you know, he finally wins a trophy after all these years? Well, and yeah. So I, I'm, 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 but I think, I think, plus, finally, what a nice bloke he is. <laughs> it's kind yeah, of, yeah, there is that. There is that. Yeah. He, he comes across really yeah, well, doesn't he? You know, look, look, I think, I think you're right. I think, I think, you know, it's, uh, if we, top four, you know, that, that's, that's, clearly what the club will will you know want because you know their business plan is predicated on that and champions league football is where this club needs to be playing i mean i share i share all of your enthusiasm and optimism and i think it's a it's an excellent start and and i'm slightly surprised by that i will temper it slightly by saying that you know until we see see us play the likes of uh, liverpool um certainly city dare I say it, Man United, I think we'll find out a lot more about this team. And of course, the other thing to bear in mind is that, you know, the Caribou Cup and uh, more more importantly, the Europa League starts soon. And they're going to be playing, you know, two games a week for a while after that. And we'll see see how that changes things. I mean, you know, Jonathan seems to be absolutely sure he's going to play a completely different team. So it may not impact the first stroke Premier League team too much. But I think how he copes with all of that as well as how we do against the bigger sides is going to be a real indicator of where we are. But yeah, good start, no doubt about it. Right, part three uh, coming up. We're going to have some emails from Jonathan to read out and uh, hopefully we'll get a few questions in from you lovely lot on Mixler. So start getting your questions in because there will be time to read them this week. I warn you now. See you in a sec. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Chidge. JK. In all the years you've been following Chelsea, you hardly ever miss a match, home or away. But how would you feel if you couldn't be there and it's not on TV? Oh, Chich, I'd be bereft, inconsolable. The thought of missing my beloved Blue Boy's life, <laughs> it's all too much. <laughs> I know, JK, I know. It's all a bit too much, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> well, panic not. NordVPN have come to the rescue. They have? Yep, NordVPN allows us to watch any match, even if it's not on live TV here. They do? Yeah, they do. With just one click, they switch your virtual location to a country which is showing the match and they act as your cyber bodyguard whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like card details and passwords. Oh, wow. Great. Uh, But yeah, I bet that'll cost me a fortune. Actually, JK, it's only the price of a cup of coffee per month and you can use your account across six devices. It's a bargain, JK. And best of all... No more tears for you. Oh, thank you. Thank you, NordVPN. I'm so happy. I could cry. <laughs> Where do I sign up, Jidge? Well, to get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash Chelsea Fancast. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, and you'll help support the Chelsea Fancast. The link is in the podcast episode description box. Real 
Arsenal fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Proper Chelsea. Footballfancast.com Righty-ho, welcome back. I'm Stanford Chidge, and you are listening to the Chelsea Fancast, part three, where I have, uh, by popular demand, uh, moved Jonathan Kidd up the hour so that we can get the emails in good and early for you. And uh, we have a couple this week, which will, I hope, uh, instigate a little bit of debate, and after which we've got some questions, some Chelsea Fancast confessionals asked by the good listeners on Mixler who are listening live. I've got a couple from Dean Mears and one from Emilio Estevez at the moment. Uh, I would welcome some more. You never know. We might have some time to read them. But uh, uh, after Jonathan's emails, of course. Is that the real Emilio Estevez? I don't think so, no. uh, Emilio had an email read out last week and confessed to being Emilio Estevez on Mixler. Ah. But maybe we should just call him Repo Man for short. That foxed you all, didn't it? Anyway, Jonathan, <laughs> take it away. I you were going to explain the reason for you to... Anyway, this is no. from... Uh, Why should I have know. to explain every cultural reference to everybody? I expect you fuckers it's to true, get them. actually. I God felt deficient. It. That's why I said nothing. <laughs> um, this is, this is um, from Robert Chilton. Dear Jonathan and co, why should the emails always be addressed to Chidge? Why indeed, Robert? Mainly because Chidge is the man. That's why you have to address them to Chidge. Um, well, well rescued, Jonathan. Yeah, yeah thank you. Uh, greetings from sunny Florida. Lovely. Where we could always trade an oppressively hot August day for a cold, rainy night at Snoke. This m- Snoke? Sorry, Stoke. <laughs> Where's Snoke? <laughs> Stoke. This man knows his football. I've listened to the programme for three years now. Marvellous. Having only been able to watch a single game at the bridge, January 2012. <coughs> Lampard scored to defeat Sunderland. The show is my vital connection to the match-going environment, and that's why I love this kind of email. Due to geography, we Yanks simply cannot soak up the culture and knowledge afforded by pre-game pints at the cock, followed by a game at the bridge. Thank you for helping all of us overseas fans bridge that gap. (laughs) My question stems from the debate about where best to play Marcus the Great. He's the most lethal finisher on the squad, besting even Pedro, and an, and an assassin from right-sided set pieces. His ability to find space around the box, a la Lampard, is top-notch. I concede that while a solid defender, his pace and man-to-man skills make us vulnerable on the left. Would the best solution to this riddle be to simply play Kante on the left of a midfield three? Kante would provide excellent cover during Alonso's rampaging runs. Moreover, Kovacic on the right provides an extra attacking option lacking in the triumvirate of Pedro, cut inside, or William, too long on the ball. Kante and Azpilicueta rarely ventures into an opponent's final third. Sorry, that should be Kante and Azpilicueta brackets. He rarely ventures into an opponent's final third. It seems that at a stroke, we would shore up the left side defence, sharpen the right side attack and allow Marcus Magnus, I like that very much, to continue his imperious form. See what he did there? Marcus Magnus, imperious, Mm. clever stuff. What say you? Uh, Thank you again for the work that you do 
It is essential. Up the Chelsea. Robert. Winter Haven, Florida. Love it. Love this. Love this email, Chidge. Fantastic. Um, providing um, information and atmosphere for uh, a, a supporter overseas is just... Uh, I love that the, the fan cast can do that. I think it's brilliant. Um, anybody want to want? We've we've sort of talked about this to an extent, haven't well, we? Well, I was going to. I was just yeah. Before we before we do that, I just want to echo that point actually because I mean you know I I know I was joking a minute ago when I said there's like so many bloody podcasts out there of different content content and all sorts of different you know all sorts of different styles and everything else and i love that i mean you know in the perfect chidge world every podcast would be a chelsea podcast but it does kind of make you kind of appraise and reassess who you lot are and what we do in the scheme of things but i think that that is our shtick you know we go to the games we're there we see each other at the games you know we 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 are lucky and privileged and we know that so it's not a question of us kind of Going, oh, aren't we so clever because we go there? But I think we just like to share that passion and 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 the fact that you know of what it's really all about, which is the before, before, during, and the after. And you know, I think that's that's what we do. That's what we've always done, and and may we continue to do that. And I'm not going to change that at all. That for me is what makes us what we are. And it's nice to see people getting appreciating that, that it. That's yeah, what we're absolutely. about. You know, yeah, exactly that. Anyway, do you want to have first stab at this, mate? Um, I don't know if that would fit in. Would it work if you played Kante sitting back? Because the idea at the moment is everybody presses forward. Um, uh, 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 this is a this is a question for people with more tactical acumen than me. I'm afraid. Um, uh, I see what he what he means, but I think Kante's role at the moment is to press in the opposition half as much as he can, leaving Jorginho further back um, uh, to provide. You know, to sit back and and not defend, but to at least be in a position to uh, to sit just in front of the of the back Transition. four. Yeah, yeah. Mm. So I'm not um, I'm not I don't see how this would quite work. And I think it you know it's a it's a it's a good well, idea. I I... But I, I think if it was it, I, I think he would do it, wouldn't he? Um, uh, sorry, he would do it if it was going to be working. Well, I, he he may well. I mean, I I like the idea actually. I think it has some merit. I, but I, I, like you, I'm an idiot. So, well, I wouldn't say you're an idiot. No, I would I, definitely I, say I, I am. Uh, but I know that uh, Liam, aka Professor Pat Pending, may well have the tactical answer as to why this may or may not work. Liam. <laughs> well, I think it's it's certainly an interesting idea, um, and I think Sari shouldn't be averse to trying it if if results start to go against Chelsea and it becomes clear that that left side is a is a big problem defensively. Um, what I would say is that from what we've seen of Mateo Kovacic, I mean, he, he does his fair share of tracking back and tackling as well. He does seem to be a bit of an all-round midfielder. Obviously, he, he can't be Kante, um, but he, he does seem to have a very broad skill set. He's not just a, a go-forward midfield creator. And I think, I think Sarri's... Uh, logic in playing him on the left and Kante on the right is that I think Sarri is all about fast attacking combinations and when you've got Jorginho, Kovacic, Hazard and Alonso and an overlapping or an underlapping Alonso all within a few yards of each other um, good things happen. And I think we've already seen that in the first four games that, that some of Chelsea's best football has come when those guys have been able to to combine in the final third. And if you if you disrupt that, especially when the team is still kind of at an early stage of 
building that chemistry. Uh, if you disrupt it by changing the combination slightly, um, it might disrupt the fluidity. And I think Sarri's all about trying to increase the speed of Chelsea's play even further. And if he wants to do that, I think Kovacic, getting Kovacic close to Hazard is a really good um, a really good way to kind of ignite that for, for Chelsea. But it all depends how they cope defensively. You know, Sarri always talks about balance as well. And, and, and if it becomes clear that Alonso covered by Louise defensively is an absolute liability, then I'm sure he will reassess because, you know, he, he, he seems pretty tethered to this system, but in terms of the players within it, I think Sarri can uh, be open to, to changing his, his methods slightly. Well, interestingly enough, Jonathan, uh, the next email is saying much the same thing. So we maybe look at it from a slightly different uh, perspective on the next this email. This is from Andrew Butcher. Hi, chaps. Just a quick one. If the team is overloaded defensively on the right and weaker defensively on the left, would it not make sense to swap Kante and Kovacic around? As Piliqueta can probably handle defence on the right side, and Pedro will get better ball service, while the weaker defence on the left will be bolstered by Kante. Kante could also cover for Alonso when he goes bombing up the pitch. Uh, it's much the same idea, actually, isn't it, in fact? It's the same. Yeah, these it is. People I mean, have great thing, minds thinking I... alike, these two here. Yeah, sorry. Same. Indeed, they do. And this was complete, complete. Well, no, it was completely at random, and I clearly didn't read them properly before I put them in, but I don't see why they shouldn't both get a shout. I mean, the one thing I would say to counter that and add to what Lee, uh, Liam said was that, you know, we were saying earlier on, weren't we, how well uh, Kovacic and Hazard have linked up and have, have, have begun to get a really good understanding, I think. So if you swapped uh, Kovacic over, uh, then you would perhaps lose that, wouldn't you? So, you know, maybe it's not so much of a good idea. Marco, what say you, great sage of cheese? <laughs> what about, about, about Kovacic? Well, yeah, the the idea that we're a bit vulnerable down the left yeah. with Alonso. Um, so maybe having Kante over on the left and Kovacic on the right might provide a bit more cover for Alonso when he goes leaping forward. Well, I, I'm just trying to think now. We're, we're, when when we played Arsenal, which, let's face it, you know, the, after we went 2-0 up, we kind of went into that 20-minute um, phase where it looked like it was going to go seriously pear-shaped. Um, and it went, it went to 2-2, but at half-time, um, Sarri kind of, he, he changed it slightly, though ob- obviously because of my senility, I've completely forgotten what it was he did, but he tightened it up um, so that the, 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 the two weaknesses that we know we've got... Um, appeared less uh, less yeah. of a threat. So, you know, I can't remember whether that was just because he, he had Kante dropping deeper um, or, or how, how he managed it. Um, Kovacic didn't play in that game, did he? Or if he did, he came on as a, a sub. I think we were with Barkley in that game, weren't we? Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I, think, I think he's equipped to deal with it. And I think, you know, what we're talking about are games against maybe three opponents, Tottenham, Man City and Liverpool, who are potentially uh, are well-equipped to um, 
to expose any any fragility. And so Tottenham. I, I, pardon? And Tottenham. We yeah, that's said Tottenham. That's Tottenham. I, I think, you know, just sort of being better prepared. You know, I, I think the the one thing that I, I just found, I don't know if any of you lot noticed this, on, on Saturday, I, we were crying with laughter. Um, the, the way Chelsea kicked off the game, we either had, it was either seven or eight men all stood along the halfway line and 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 the other two, I think it was eight and and two stood um about 10 yards space back like a, a little t a t um you know and, it, and they all ran forwards when the ball went forwards and i just thought this is this is like it was like school boys, football wasn't it? at school yes yes <laughs> yeah absolutely it's exactly what i said yeah you know and I, but but that's kind of like you know. I looked at that and I thought, bloody hell! If if they play this wrong, um, all it all it takes is kind of a punt up field, and and that high line is going to be you know we're going to be a goal down inside inside a minute. You know, and you see that happen sometimes in games, don't you? Where there's a really early goal and possessions conceded and the ball's punted forward. Um, I, th- I think we've scored the odd goal like that. But yeah, I, I, I'm not. I'm not massively concerned. Um, I think it will be. You know, the interesting game will be that game against Liverpool, just to see because, you know, we saw when they played. Um, I can't remember. They, I mean, we've just seen it in every game, and you know, they just they, they kind of go for it, and I don't think they'll they'll sit back when they come to the bridge. So. Um, it'll just be interesting to see if Sarri tweaks it or, or he just carries on regardless and r- runs the risk of, you know, con- conceding a goal um, and then and then making a change. Um, but I'm not, you know, I'm not I'm not as worried as some are, and you know the the, the level of hysteria kind of going into the season, um, you know, and you know the vitriolic attacks on. Uh, Alonso were, were, were ludicrous, to be honest with you. Um, you know, I, I'm pleased to say that, see that kind of common sense has won out, and you know that the, the haters have been put back in their box with the lid sealed firmly shut, um, and they're sort of coming round to the way of thinking that you know actually Alonso's essential Chelsea because of all you know as he showed again. On on um, on Saturday. Saturday, so indeed, right. We've got some we've got some questions from uh, Mixler, right? Vinda Blue, first question: If Christensen does come in for Louise and does a few mistakes similar to what Louise did, then who should continue playing? Hypothetical but possible. Ha ha. Uh, Liam, what do you reckon? I think it. Um, I think it really depends on on what Sari is looking for. Um, and at the moment, he wants a defender with a quite a unique passing range. I mean, Christensen's a good passer, but he he can't pass the ball as well as um, Louise can. Louise can pass it like a midfielder and like a really good midfielder. So as long as he is picking defenders based on their attacking abilities, <laughs> I think Louise will continue to get the nod and, and Sarri may stick with him even if he does make mistakes. But... If Christensen comes in, I mean, I think the I, I don't think he will necessarily make too many mistakes. I think he, 
the majority of his mistakes last season came because his body wasn't really uh, attuned to dealing with three games, a game every three days, and that lengthy a run in a team that, that was expected to win every single game they played. So I have no long-term concerns about Christensen, but I think Sarri will continue to lean on Louise for the foreseeable. Mm. Jonathan? Yeah, I agree. I agree with that completely. Yeah, I think um, uh, there was a, a theory that Christensen was slightly slight in comparison, wasn't he, with uh, with Louise? And yeah. he wants. Um, He's not a lump like the other no, two, is he? No. Um, but uh, and I think that's important. But once again, I, I I think this is a training thing. But no, absolutely, the there is no comparison. He's a decent passer of the ball, uh, Christensen. But um, but uh, as Liam says, not. In the class of uh, Louise, whose uh, ability to pass the ball is uh, phenomenal. So, yeah. All right, I've got I've, I've got a good one coming up from good old Dean Mears, uh, which is a question: As Liverpool have hired a throw-in specialist, uh, I've got a question actually before I get into this. Why is Marco typing so loudly? <laughs> <laughs> More to the point, what is he typing? But no, the question is: As Liverpool have hired a throw-in specialist. Which specialist do you think Chelsea need? I'll give you a first dib on this, Marco. Sorry, say that again. Which specialist? If as Liverpool have uh, Liverpool apparently have hired a throw-in specialist, which specialist do you think Chelsea need? I would imagine coaching. Um, uh, I don't know. I mean, do, do do we need? You know, I mean, obviously you need a goal a specialist goalkeeping coach. Um, We've got several, I think. You've got, you've got Zola there who knows his way around, um, you know, cl- close close skills. I don't, you know, I don't think we need a, a, a specialist, do we? I, I don't know. I, I, no, I'll tell you start. what, I'll tell you what, mate. I reckon we do. You know, we still can't take a bloody corner. You know, we had Hazard doing it the other week. He couldn't hit the first man. You know, William takes them sometimes and, you know, is not not consistent. You know, we, I mean, we've said this on the show for years since we started doing this show. We've bemoaned the lack of decent corner takers at Chelsea. And we always cite Graham Lasseau being the last one. But thinking of it, Zola used to take free kicks occasionally. Uh, not free kicks. He used to take yeah. corners occasionally, didn't he? So if you've got Zola in the side, can you bloody get this, this some of these players to actually take a decent corner? Hmm. I don't know. I, do you know what? I, I, I wonder. You know, you look at. Um, I, I suppose he, he's he's like he generally tends to be at the back, doesn't he now? But um, if you look at the balls that uh, Aspilicueta can deliver, and the fact that he can play play off both flanks, uh, it'd be interesting to see what his corner kicks would be like. I don't think. I don't. Well, because as you say, I mean, it tends to be. William or Hazard, um, who, who who take responsibility for them with fairly limited success. Uh, I, th- I think I, I, I think I the man in the current squad who is actually good at taking corners is Cesc Fabregas. Um, yeah, fair point. Consistently good, but he. I mean, there are a lot of other trade-offs to to actually playing him. If you could just bring him on. For corners, like they do in ice, like they do in hockey. Yeah, uh, that would be perfect. And and American football, of course. Yeah. 
NFL, don't they? They have a kicker. But uh, yeah, sadly, everything else about Fabregas might not get him in the team in my book. Uh, right, I've got a question actually specifically aimed at you, Liam, uh, which is from Emilio Estevez, not the real one. Uh, after seeing Liam's tweet re-piazon, when, if ever, will we sell him, plus the other players we've loaned out year after year? I, I confess, Liam, I didn't see your tweet, so you have to enlighten oh, well, me. I, um, the, the pr- confirmed Premier League squads came up while we were recording this, and I was having a look through the Chelsea list, and it appears they've made a mistake because they've listed uh, Piazzon as a homegrown player when he's not actually homegrown eligible. He didn't spend long enough at Chelsea between 18 and 21 to qualify because he spent so much time on loan. But um, he, he is, however, in the Premier League squad, which means in, in theory he could feature for them this year. He's not actually on loan. Um, but in terms in terms of the wider question about the loanees, I think it's, it, it's difficult because... They're, they're, they're obviously there to develop as footballers and, you know, from a more cynical point of view, they're also there to accumulate value year on year. But the problem Chelsea have with a lot of the loanees, particularly the the guys who end up being sort of career loanees, is that their wages and maybe the loan fees that Chelsea will ask for from clubs are too much. And, and Chelsea's asking price, if they're looking to sell those players will be too much. And there's no incentive for clubs that are actually interested in them to buy them because they know that towards the end of a transfer window, Chelsea will get a little bit desperate and agree to loan them. Uh, And that's why they don't end up getting sold, I think, because there is a price that Chelsea have for all of these guys, but clubs are just not willing to meet it because whether it's wages or something else, they know that they'll generally get them for the season at a much lower rate than than if they actually stump up the money to buy them, uh, and it's it, it's sad for these players because they can end up just on a on a treadmill to kind of nowhere. Don't other clubs have low needs as well though, and it doesn't get into the press as much. I mean, don't uh, United have about thirty low needs out? I'm not sure how many they've got out right now. I know I know other clubs. Uh, can can do this on on quite a large scale, and I know Man City were were sort of broadly adopting a, a similar model to Chelsea. But Chelsea get more press because it is so formalised, and it, it it is on a scale that other clubs don't do it. Um, and the fact that they've got certain clubs like Vitesse, like Sintrudens uh, in, in in Belgium a, a year or two ago, you know, that seem to get these players over and over again. Um, I think creates a little bit more creates a little bit more scrutiny than than it would otherwise do. And you know, Chelsea are very keen to present it as a player development system and in and in a lot of ways it is. I mean they do pay attention to these guys and they are they they are trying to look after them as best they can, but they there you can't ignore the reality that it is also definitely a, a a, a means of making money. I mean, just through the loan fees, Chelsea cover the cost of what it takes to buy most of these players. And even if they don't actually get sold, they are still profitable for the club. Yeah, makes sense. Hmm. Interesting, isn't it? Right, one more. Last question. Uh, good good question so far, peeps. Um, I'm enjoying this. That uh, This is the best of all. Uh, I just This is Hazardous uh, 17. 
who says, I just want to know if that's Jonathan Kidd on the quit smoking ad on Love Sport. No, it's not. Who is it then? Uh, somebody in... I thought you did all of the ads. <laughs> he does all the ads everywhere. Everywhere. Yeah. I exactly. wouldn't be doing this podcast if that was the case. I'd be out sunning myself Aww. somewhere. I'd be out. I'd be out Aww. living the life of Riley. Um, uh, yeah, but our, li- our lives would be the poorer for it, oh, Jonathan. Thank you. Um, I don't know who it is. I'll have a listen and uh, and and see if I can um, detect. I know lots of the people who do the voices, so I'll have a I'll have a listen. It's an interloper, mate. They they need to be found. They might be doing, they might be doing an impression anyway, of uh, me. Though. There's always that possibility. Yeah, yeah, exactly. All right, enough already. Uh, brilliant stuff. Uh, great questions, people. Uh, I, I, I do. I mean, look, it's kind of a bit of a weird, uh, you know, quid pro quo, really, or payoff, or whatever you want. If we don't get a lot of emails, we have more time for questions from Mixler, which I love to do. Uh, because it's kind of a nice thing for the people that listen. But uh, if we get loads of emails, we don't have time. So it's a, it's a bit of a uh, Hobson's choice, really. But uh, uh, thank you for your questions. And thank you, of course, for all the emails. Um, as you know, we love to get them, and we love to read them out. We'll always try and do that. So do send them to chelseafancast at gmail.com, and uh, make sure you do it before Monday. So it's kind of Sunday night. Uh, you know, that would be nice. And then I can get them into the script on the Monday and we can read them out. So thank you, as always. Now, in part four, we've got a roundup of uh, the Chelsea supporters' news. And we're going to be looking forward to some days in Europa. Real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Up the Chelsea! Footballfancast.com Right, welcome back. I'm Stanford Chidge, and you're listening to the Chelsea Fancast. It's been a humdinger, as always, with the wonderful Jonathan Whoop. Kidd, Mark Worrell, and, of course, the, the, the Liam. Yeah, the Liam to, to me. There is only one of him, uh, and he is, of course, Chelsea's... Uh, correspondent on uh, at ESPN. My teeth have gone AWOL. Sorry, chaps. Right, first up, uh, before the usual parish notices, I just thought, you know, it being that we had the uh, Europa draw and the Caribou Cup draw last week, we should uh, pay it due deference and have a chat about it. So just to recap, uh, for those who are yet to be discovered in the Amazon rainforest, Chelsea in the Europa Cup have drawn, I don't even know how to pronounce this, poke, pauk, I don't know. But they're from Thessaloniki. We got them away on the uh, 20th of September, followed by Vidi, which is something out of uh, a Clockwork Orange. Uh, well, they're, they're also a team from Hungary, apparently. But uh, Vidi, Vidi thee well, brother. Uh, <laughs> right, we got them at home on the 4th of October. We've got uh, Bait or Barte Borisov, who sounds like a Russian gangster, if you ask me. We got them at home on the 25th of October and we play them again in Belarusia uh, on the 8th of November. And then we got Pauk or Pauk, the team from Thessaloniki. Pauk. Thank you, Jonathan. There you go. Takes a professional. Uh, Pauk at home on the 29th of November and Vidi uh, in Budapest because apparently they, they like Spurs, can't uh, build a football ground on time. So they've got to play at Budapest rather than the weird place that they are, which is somewhere southwest of Budapest, as I recall, when I googled it. Uh, and that's on the 13th of December. Um, 
What a lot of fun is my first uh, thoughts on that. This is the this is the point of the bloody Europa Cup, mate. Don't you believe those numpties who sit there castigating and saying you ain't in the Champions League or Channel Five Thursday night and all that nonsense? There is nothing, as I will introduce brother brother Marco into in a minute, going out to weird places like Thessaloniki or somewhere like Budapest or somewhere in Belarusia for an away midweek European tie. Is there Marco? Certainly not. Um, it, it's extraordinary. Uh, in fact, the the um, I think I may come out of international retirement brought on by parenthood for, for the trip to Hungary. <laughs> um, only because yeah. we actually used Budapest as a base for the expedition um, which included a trip on a horse and cart to, to, to Cluj in, in darkest, deepest Romania um, quite a few years ago. I think that was 2008. Um, so, yeah, I mean, all, all of uh, all of those things um, are excellent. I know it, sound, it sounds a bit glib, but, you know, I mean, yeah, yeah, I've lost track of them. You know, I've been to places like the Camp Nou, um, too many times, and the, the experience it isn't a good one um, from a football watching perspective in terms of being in the stadium. Um, you know, I just think there's an opportunity to, just to do something different, play different teams um, in, in different countries, and it's it's quite refreshing uh, the, the the way it's all. Um, shaping itself out and you know I, I think the other thing is that there's there's no there's no you know you're not looking at any of those games and thinking oh we've got to be we've got to be careful there well apart from uh, Paok um, where, where the, <laughs> the, the the manager pulled a gun on, a, on the ref that's the right he did he did is it the chair yeah 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 the owner, yeah, 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 yeah. So you know, and I, and I was looking at there's some footage on YouTube actually, which is well worth perusing if you haven't done so already. Of their last, uh, of their the last game in Europe, I think I think they they actually dropped out of the uh, qualification for the Champions League. Um, they lost their, to um, the Dutch team. What was it? Um... Was it PSV? PSV, played? yeah, yeah. But, yeah. but, but basically, the, the, everywhere, all the way around the pitch, um, the, there are flares. It's like a, a pyro's paradise, that place. So, um, <laughs> good, goodness knows what that's going to be like. But, yeah, you know, I, I think for one season and hopefully one season only, um, it'll, be, it'll be a lot of fun. Um, I, you know, and I, I don't see any reason why you know we 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 can um, win the competition, uh, which would be nice for Sarri and nice for everybody else. And the finals in Baku. So, yeah, I mean the the other thing about that, Marco, is we're the second uh, on European coefficient points. We're second only to Arsenal in the competition, of course, until. You know, unless anybody big drops out of the Champions League, but at the moment we, are, I mean, we are also the bookies' fa- we are the bookies' favourites, quite yeah, rightly too. Liam, is there anything to worry? Is there anything to worry about uh, here? I mean, I don't know. I mean, 
to be really honest, okay, I heard of Pat Ock only vicariously through the fact that their chairman pulled a gun on a referee. I know nothing about them as a football side. I've heard of Barté Borisov. They've been knocking around the Europa League for years and have played a few English teams. I have never heard of this Clockwork Orange team in my life. So I trust you as a good journalist to inform and educate me on these teams. And are there any, is there anything to worry about? The only thing I know about Vidi is that they used to be called Videoton. Uh, and oh them oh, and yeah. they yeah I, I've they've only played them. one English team which was Manchester United way back and they beat them <laughs> so they're yeah. they're one hundred percent they're really? one and against English opposition God um, wow but no on it I mean even if Chelsea make eleven changes it it seems inconceivable to me that they don't top this group and top it comfortably. Um, it's mm, mm. It, it's a it was a real kind of I think welcome to the Europa League moment for the club with that draw, and uh, and I, I think mm. it, it's just as well they've made the ticket prices pretty reasonable uh, I think for for people because I think they recognised from the outset that it could be a little bit of a struggle filling Stamford Bridge for those games and particularly as far as the group games are concerned you know they'll have to do. They'll have to do a little bit of, of stuff off the pitch to contribute to the entertainment, and I think, and, and maybe Sarri can do his bit by picking a few of the youngsters that supporters are excited about, so just to give it a little bit of extra interest. Mm. Well, it's going to be interesting. Jonathan, are you looking forward to it? I, I have to be honest, I am. I, whether I manage to make it out to... Uh... Europa is is a moot point because of course I'm a bit stuffed in the week we were. Me too, uh, but I'm te- I'm tempted. Mean, you know, home, I'd love it. I'd love to go away yeah. to these places just because it, it, it opportunity well, to go and see some some sights would be fantastic. But uh, no work is uh, gets. Well, in Budapest the way. would be a fantastic. It would be trip, wouldn't it? lovely. Budapest would be fantastic, and and Thessaloniki uh, in the kind of you know back end of September will still be nice and warm. So that's almost like a beach holiday. Sadly, I'll already be in Mallorca at the time, so I'll already be mm. on the beach. But uh, hey ho, yes, I know I haven't told you that yet. Well, later after the show, <laughs> but they, it's great. I, I, I'm 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 yeah, it's complicated. I can't. No, unfortunately, I'm I'm not but, I'm not uh, getting in for twenty quid. I'm uh, in my area of hospitality with my with my no, my butler. No. In fact, they've increased the price. Because that's no, they haven't naughty. really. No. It's exactly the same as it was last year for the Champions okay. for the Champions League, which is oh, okay. still slightly worrying. But um, I suppose for the because oh, of the I'm, armchairs I'm, I'm... and the venison pie, it's probably you know it's, of course, it's, it's of to course. be expected. Yeah. Well, we'll see. I'm I, I, I'm I'm looking forward to it. I really am. I think I think it, it's as Marco was kind of alluding to. It, it's actually weirdly refreshing to be playing some weird teams. Um, but you know, it, it'll be a, hopefully a chance for the. The, the, the squad players to, to shine, and I think we'd all welcome that. Uh, now, uh, kind of sandwiched in between some tough matches here, uh, not least uh, Liverpool in the Premier League, we've got Liverpool in the Caribou Cup away on the 24th of September. I'll be back for that one, thankfully. Well, it's the week commencing 24th. I don't think they've set the date yet, but... Uh, Hmm, that's a shame, isn't it, really? I mean, that that draw, Marco, could have come out slightly uh, more interestingly, like a, a, a lower division team somewhere that we haven't been to for a while, and instead we get the Scousers away. I mean, that's, I, I can't think of a worse draw, really, for all, all sorts of reasons. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you're right. I, I think if, you know, if, if that had been the draw for the kind of like the semi-final or something like that, you'd be thinking, oh, you know, that's the last thing we need. But I think, as you know, as I alluded to earlier... I mean, if you look at 
Liverpool's fixtures are around that game, um, I'd be highly surprised if if Klopp just doesn't play a second string team in the way that uh, Sarri will play a second string Chelsea team. And, you know, uh, Chelsea's second string team should, you know, breeze past um, Liverpool's second string team. Um you know, that, that 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 that's my hope, and I've uh, you know I've, I've put some I've put a reasonable amount of money on on that being the case. Uh, but you know, obviously, it's Liverpool at Anfield, so you've got to factor factor that into the equation. But best fans in the world, best fans. <laughs> that boys. Yeah. I mean, how 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 well how well are inexperienced players cope with that piped version of "You'll Never Walk Alone" burning their ears? It just beggars belief, doesn't it? Um, Liam, uh, what I want to uh, just a final question on this, really for you. Um, it's going to be an interesting ride for us, I think, isn't it, in both of these competitions? Because to be fair, and hitherto, we tend to have on the in the main treated these competitions quite seriously and fielded fairly strong sides you know i mean okay i know sometimes we play a slightly weakened side but there is a suspicion that that, that sarri is going to change the side completely and perhaps not treat them with the reverence and the seriousness that we've come to expect you know because chelsea supporters in the last 15 years have been used to, to to winning trophies any trophy we don't mind and that usually works because they play strong teams but it might be very different this year so how, how do you think that's going to play out well i think traditionally in the in the in the abramovich era What's happened is that a manager's been sacked at some point between November and, and January. The le- <laughs> the league is gone and the guy that come the guy that yeah. comes in sees an opportunity to, to pad out his C V by going gung ho in the cups and the and the players see an opportunity to try and salvage something from the season with, with the cup trophy. So I think that I think that's a big reason why Chelsea have ended up doing doing so well in the cup competitions. You're right. I think it will be different this year, as long as Sarri is, is still in the job. It, it looks like he will be at this point. Um, I, and I think, uh, I, I think as we said earlier, I think the, the top four will absolutely be the priority. Sarri will be under no illusions from, from the Chelsea hierarchy that that will be, that is his number one target and should be his number one target. And uh, I mean, Chelsea, Really couldn't be bothered about the Europa League uh, two years ago when they when they cruised into tenth. Absolutely, no one was uh, no one was lobbying inside the club for them to try and battle their way up to to seventh. And uh, I'm I'm not convinced that mm. they'll be super fussed about it this time around. I think their second string will be enough to get through the group comfortably, and then. If they get a draw like they did in in 2013, they got the the easiest run to a European final I can remember. Like Stour, Bucharest, Basel, um, along the way, and uh, and I think they Benfica, yeah, I think they yeah. they only played one really good team, which was Benfica in the final, and they they only started taking it seriously yeah. from the semi. So the tournament could open up for mm-hmm. them that way, uh, but I don't think Chelsea will go out of their way to um, to make a huge impact in the Europa League. The, the domestic cups, I mean, it could be over in one game against Liverpool, couldn't it? We'll have to see how that goes. Mm. I do I do think they'll try in the, in the FA Cup, purely because of where it falls in the season as well. They'll have much more clarity about where they are in the league by that point. Um, and their holders, Yeah, of course. of course, there's an element of pride to that. And for Sarri as well, I mean, 
you know, he's not he he's not struck a, a particularly desperate to win a trophy tone since he arrived at the club. He's talked a lot about fun and a lot about producing good football and, and if trophies come from that then then so be it. But I, I do think it would be good for him because it will it will be made to eat away at him, even if it's not eating away at him now, because journalists will keep asking him about it if he doesn't um win a trophy in the next couple of years he's had a 13 year career a lot of it he he wasn't really in position to win trophies now he is so it would be nice for him to to get that particular monkey off his back and he's he's got a couple of opportunities this season Mm, good stuff all right chaps we need to push on with a bit of Parish notices as the lovely tony glover says uh first up just a quick reminder about liam dillon uh, who's a boxer who's fighting this Saturday, uh, the 8th of September at York Hall. Uh, he's a Chelsea boy. He wears Chelsea trunks in the ring. So, you know, make sure we... I mean, basically, if if, if you don't buy tickets, he doesn't get to fight. Uh, the best thing to do is to... Uh, well, go and follow uh, Dylan on... Sorry, Liam on Twitter, at Dylan underscore boxing, uh, because you can buy tickets directly from him. Um, they are 40 quid standard those are the ones he needs to sell enough of to fight there are ringside seats for 65 quid and VIP tickets for 100 pounds uh, it's also on myfighttickets.com but that's a complicated URL to read out so probably you're better off just uh, getting hold of uh, Liam on Twitter right uh, Love Sport as always you know this for a fact uh, Chelsea's Love Sport radio show will be back this Friday between 7 o'clock and 9pm with me, Jonathan Kidd, uh, unless I've given him the, the day off, and uh, Dan Silver, joining, bizarrely, somebody called Sam Homewood, who apparently uh, used to be on Love Island and is a Man United fan. I have a suspicion, Jonathan, this could go horribly Will he be wrong. wearing his trunks? I don't know. He's probably quite fit, but you know those Love Island types? I think those muscles are all for show, mate. I reckon. Do you think I he's been photoshopped? Been you know, you, you and Dan hold him. Photoshopped, isn't he? Yeah, you and Dan hold him. I can okay, take him. Okay, yeah, great, good stuff. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm a bit kind of not so sure about this. But there we go. Um, thankfully, uh, I think um, I think Ollie's no, Ollie was last week. Liam, you're on the phone on Friday reporting on the presser, aren't you? Uh, perhaps I haven't checked. Yeah. Okay. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It's it's a deal. It's a deal. We've negotiated it live on air. I know. I think because it was Ollie last week, so I think it might be you. So you, you're you're at the presser on Friday. Aren't yes, you? I am. There we go. Right. So Ollie, will be, uh, Liam will be joining us on the phone. Uh, of course, best thing is you can also join us on the phone. We do love it. There were lots of callers last week. I'm very happy that, and probably because I wasn't there, you waited until I was away. Uh, but anyway, please phone up, join the show, join the debate. The number to call is 0208 7020 And of course, we shove it up there as a podcast afterwards. And uh, it's available on the usual podcast platforms. And you can listen to it live Yay. on 558 AM and uh, on on your digital channels. Look for Love Sport and it's on Radio Player and TuneIn too. Now, uh, before that, uh, this Thursday, uh, me and the Chelsea legend that is Kerry Dixon will be on air. I'm afraid we didn't manage to do one last week, largely because I was at the cricket and it all got too complicated. So I'm sorry about that. But me and Kerry will be back this Thursday doing a little show, probably a bit of a summary of what's been going on so far. Might get Kerry t- to talk about the England game because, of course, Kerry played for England. He was that good. Uh, so look forward to that. Uh, and, of course, our usual thank you 
first of all. Thank you. Oh, that's a good point, actually. Sorry, Liam. Um, Benji Toe says, what presser? We have no games. That's a very good point. Do we have a presser on Friday? No. <laughs> no. no, I'm just, I'm just good in point, the habit. Benji. Yeah, international break. So, nothing. Yeah, they will, yeah. We will not have Liam on the phone unless we phone him, you know? We could have just phoned Liam up for the hell of it. Saying, well, what have you been doing today, Liam, as you had no press to go to? Have you had a nice lunch out? You know, have you had a few beers? Whatever. No, good point. Well well said, Benji. Where was I? Patreon, right. A big, massive, huge, lovely, warm, fluffy kiss to all the wonderful people who have been very kind and donated generously to a monthly subscription, effectively a monthly subscription to the Chelsea Fancast by donating on Patreon. Um, it, it's all gratefully received and humbly received too. Um, helps to cover a few costs that I have. Um, but of course, it's totally, totally uh, voluntary. No, no pressure at all. Uh, whatever you like, as little as you like, uh, as frequently as you want. Uh, and you can donate there by going to Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com forward slash Chelsea Fancast. Um, there, there is a, the added bonus that, you know, I, I can now get it on my phone. So if you want to get hold of me and make some suggestions about content, what you want to do, get some messages in, just do it and I will respond. Uh, now, in fact, actually, I've got a wonderful message from Andre Letizier. I wonder if he's a relation. I, I would I would hope so because he's a Chelsea fan and that would, that would amuse me. Um, but Andre left a message on Patreon and he said, as an expat no longer able to make the games, I have an overwhelming thirst for all things Chelsea. Definitely the Chelsea fan cast are top of the pile. So thank you for slaking it for me. Keep the podcast coming and the blue flag high. Andre, lovely message. Really uh, tickled me to get that. And uh, thank you very much for subscribing to Patreon. You're a trooper, sir. I thank you. Um, and as I said, just send us a message on there once you've uh, subscribed. It's all very much appreciated. Now, a uh, quick shout-out for the Supporters Trust, as always. Join the Chelsea Supporters Trust. Get your voice heard by the club. Free to join up to be a member. But if you want to have a badge, and if you want to be able to vote uh, for uh, in the elections and on the motions that we have every year and attend the meetings, then it's £5. Uh, well worth it. Now, you can sign up at ChelseaSupportersTrust.com. Uh, and you can follow them on Twitter at Chelsea S Trust. What's not to like? Um, well, I tell you something that is very much to like, and that is CFC UK, the Chelsea fanzine. Hurry up, it's only a pound. And of course, you can get it on the stall at match day where you will see the wonderful Mark Worrell. Tarry a while with Marco. Bring him a hot chocolate when it gets colder. Isn't that right, Marco? When it gets colder. Um, yeah, we're still in limoncello mm, mode at the moment. Okay, so bring him a limoncello until he tells you that the weather's cold, at which point you have to change to, uh, you know, a hot chocolate, preferably with a shot of rum in there, really. That's what we... Well, the lovely Rog does that, he does doesn't indeed. he? Right, uh, what else do you need to know about it? Well, you can buy it from any of the sellers that you'll find lurking around Fulham Road on a match day. Of course, you can get it away. Uh, and you can also subscribe um, in, uh, if you can't get it in person. You can do that digitally at uh, cfcuk.net. And uh, if you're in the USA, follow uh, at CFC UK USA on Twitter or get hold of Dan Lundberg on Twitter at DLundberg underscore. And he will explain to you how you can subscribe to it internationally, internationally, folks. And last but by no means least, the wonderful Chelsea pitch owners who, of course, are vital, vital, vital in making sure that Chelsea will play football at Stamford Bridge forever because they own the freehold of the Stamford Bridge site. 
and that is their very very important aim uh, and anybody can buy a share if you want to know how to do so email info at chelsea pitch owners.com uh, and you can follow them on twitter at pitch owners as well it's uh cheapest shares are 25 quid it's well worth uh investing in that uh you know it really means you have have a well you have an element of power over the club unlike any other club in this country so it's important Righty-ho, people. That, I'm afraid, is all we have time for this night. Uh, we will be back next Monday, where I will be joined, uh, hopefully, by Jonathan and uh, the wonderful Ollie Harbord, and another appearance by Joe Tweedy. He's racking them up this season already. It's good to see. Uh, as I said, quick reminder, Love Sport Radio show on Friday between 7 and 9 p.m. Give us a ring. We'll be talking about uh, all things Chelsea, recapping on Chelsea's 100% winning start, and we won't be previewing the weekend match, because there isn't one. But it will be fun. Uh, give us a call on 0208 7020 558. Kerry Dixon Show with me and Kerry on Thursday. So much pod- so many podcasts. Honestly, the work we do for you people, we must be mad. Uh, right, uh, quick shout-outs for the Twitter Brigade, at Chelsea Fancast, me at Stanford Chidge, at Jonathan Kidd, at Gate17Marco, at Liam underscore Toomey, and, of course, check out the website, ChelseaFancast.com. Blimey, many thanks to, of course, Gion uh, and all the Chelsea Fancast bloggers for the fantastic content they put up every week. Uh, to name but a few, Chris Bradford, Nick Blakely, Tom Gott, Tosser of a Coin, Blow Up North, Ken Barkway, Simon Phillips, Dean Mears, who's in the house. Uh, Vinda Blue, I think, puts one there as well occasionally. John Carpenter, Martin Wickham, Nick Stroudley, this is Civics Blue, you're under CFC. All fantastic writers and I appreciate what they do. Uh, it makes me smile hugely right enough already uh marco it's been as always a huge pleasure having you on the show indeed indeed thoroughly enjoyed it great to speak to you guys and isn't it great just being talking about positive things yeah wonderful yes indeed yeah yeah i mean i won't see you down at the bridge until uh cardiff on the 15th but i i hopefully will be seeing you at my party the night oh yeah before. no definitely yeah yeah i should be there yes indeed well, uh, you'll be joined amongst other reprobates. Uh, I do believe that uh, he who must not be named, Ari up, it's only a pound, will be there with his entourage. Uh, yeah. No Walter Otten, sadly, but there will be a Jonathan King. I will be uh, sneaking in. Yes, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Mm, mm. Thank you. Yeah, going to be Thank great you. fun. Uh, and, uh, and Jonathan, as always, a pleasure uh, seeing you. You and I are going to have a quick chat after the show about what's going on. So I may or may not see you on Friday, depending on how you feel. Uh, But last but by no means least, a massive, huge uh, thank you to the wonderful Liam Toomey, whose insight we value on this show tremendously. Liam, it's an absolute pleasure to have you on the show, as always. It's always a pleasure to come on and talk with you guys. Thank you. Well done, Liam, as always. Fantastic. Or maybe call you Pat from now on. Marvellous. As in Pat Pending. I I think that has to be Pending, doesn't it? On fire. Ooh. On fire, Chidge. Pants on fire. I have to share this with you, Jonathan, but I was listening to the Test Match special commentary and that, that Indian batsman, Pant, was in <laughs> and he hit those sixes and Phil Tufnell was on commentary and he just said, Pants on fire, man. <laughs> Which I thought was Very brilliant. Good. Brilliant. All right, enough already. Uh, massive shout out to these guys. They've been brilliant as always. You lot in Mixler have been just as good. I love seeing you in there. Thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. Thank you for listening. See you next time. Until then, keep it blue, keep it carefree, and keep it chelsea.
It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNuggets share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.